Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bedrock City Presents Uncanny Universe Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are talking about the first episode of Avatar The Last Airbender live action series from Netflix and tonally the exact same thing, Dario Argento Panico, the new documentary about, uh, I don't know what, maybe Dario Argento or something. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and get this thing going. Hey, everyone, this is Dylan. And I'm Michael. Uh, that's right. Um, these are things that um, both of us have been anticipating. Um, you guess who anticipates what uh, at home? Just keep your own scores there. Um, but uh, for quite some time, we covered the um, the trailers for both of these previously. Um, and uh, and one of them is getting a lot of t- discourse online. I'll also let you keep score at home, figure out what we're talking about there. Wonder what. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, we won't spoil anything. There's not really anything to spoil for the Dario Argento documentary. It's all from his Wikipedia, basically. Um, but uh, there there are Avatar spoilers, I suppose, if that's something you care about, uh, if you've never seen the cartoon. Um, so, But we will not spoil anything until after we get to the news. So, Dylan, what you got? All right. I'll start with some like industry yes. uh, discovery Warner Media news that we got here. Um, a variety hit piece came out. Um, not really hippies, but they were just um, talking about like what their plans are, basically, because the two-year window is closing um, for when they were able to basically flip uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery about Warner Brothers a couple years ago, and they've, in my opinion, ruined it, and now they're <laughs> it's come time for them to decide what to do with it. In April, Discovery can legally entertain offers to buy, sell, or merge. Um, the big rumor is that they're going to sell to NBC Universal, which is like one of the other Peacock. huge, yeah, one of the other huge companies, like yeah. one of the only other huge ones other than Disney. Um, but it's like, they've got like a little pattern going and it's really clear what they're doing. They're signing a bunch of first look deals with actors and, and directors and producers like that to make their, basically their package, like it their package seemed better. Um, so they right. signed first look deal with Margot Robbie, trying for Christopher Nolan, Tom Cruise, etc. So what that is, is if Christopher Nolan makes a movie, they have to offer it to Discovery before they offer it to anyone else. So it's like a, it makes it like a way better buy, you know? Sure. Like a, a better package. They they described it in the article as painting a house before it hits the market. Um, so it's just like buffing <laughs> okay. their property, you know? It seems like Basically, everyone in the industry is like saying it's like painfully obvious what they're doing. Was it? Know? Was it? Do you think this was their intent the whole time? Buy it to, or what? Did they buy HBO to flip it, or, or that's what it seems it? like. Yeah, was it the, the yeah. intent the whole time? Well, they bought it to get all of the subscribers for Discovery, because um, they're going to retain all of that. It looks like, and then they're just going to like, wow. you know, flip it. So I think they did gain something from it, if that's what actually happens, but. There were a couple other tidbits within the article. They talked about how um, they've like mismanaged some budgets. Um, apparently, Joker Two has a budget of two hundred million dollars, um, up from Joker One's budget, which was sixty million. So Joker okay. Two has now, now has like the same budget as Dune Two, which is kind of crazy to me. I don't really understand <laughs> for, that. For what? Um, I mean, the guys got to pay for Lady Gaga. They said, yeah, they said Walking Phoenix got twenty mil. Gaga got twelve mil. I assume, I assume Todd Phillips got a huge paycheck as well. But even then, I'm like, where's the... Right. Are they going to space? Like, what... I'm confused I, about... I mean, we're, yeah, why do you need a Dune budget for that? 
it's money laundering. Everyone who worked on the first one gets an insane paycheck for this one. You know, it's like, sure. It's kind of crazy. Where's this money going? What producer, what random suit is getting all this money? Cause right. it's not going to, we're not, we're not going to see it. It's going to look the same as the first one. I bet. But oh yeah, who knows? Um, it also there was also some like Bong Joon Ho tea. They said they de- that Discovery delayed Mickey Seventeen, which apparently is a hundred fifty million dollar budget, um, because they're not happy with the project. And now it's in January twenty twenty five. Um, I don't know how to okay. take that because Discovery has horrible taste. But yes, I don't know. I don't know what that means. What does that mean to you? Anything? I think no, it means nothing. I think it means nothing. I mean, I think it means that they don't. I don't know, man. I don't know what that means, honestly. I don't know how to read that. That's really it sucks. weird. It sucks because like, I wish I had the awards push if they released it a few months earlier, but clearly they're not going to go for that at all. I don't know. I mean, it's going to sell tickets, right? Like, Or or is it not? Like, I know I know, Parasite won Academy Awards and everything, and we love Parasite here, but like, it's still, it's still a foreign language film, which yeah. to a lot of people is still not gonna move the needle as much as they want it to so i don't know maybe there's but, something to do with that i guess yeah but to me if they had like marketed it right like even if you tell people it's great they probably some people probably like it you know like it could have followed a similar trajectory as like barbie with like little women oscar nominated follow-up you know big budget follow-up from oscar nominated indie darling director you know like i know right. he's made a ton of films before but like yeah but he's, he's new to us right? and this is his blockbuster follow-up in english you know like i feel like it had a lot going for it not that oh, english is better it's it... just more marketable it's like robert pattinson starring in it it was like right more of a america marketable movie you know i didn't realize it was in english, in english so yeah okay i don't know, I don't know. watch it be awful who knows it can't be <laughs> no way um Okay, we got a trailer. I think we got a trailer like right after we recorded last week, but of course, know, that's what always happens for uh, the Borderlands movie, which we've been covering a lot. Um, but it ha- is, I don't know. I feel like they filmed this years ago. Uh, kind of forgot about it. I th- something like that had to have happened because, like, I feel like this has been talked about forever. Yeah, I remember the cast posting photos like a long, long time ago, but we finally got a trailer. Um, as a reminder, Eli Roth is directing it, and it's from the Chernobyl screenwriter Craig Mazin. Oh boy! Comes okay, out, comes Chernobyl's out okay. 9th. Actually, wait, wait, yeah, wait. Chernobyl the, the, is like, oh, the TV show. Sorry. Yeah, it's like super yeah. acclaimed. Like, okay, yeah. So what? I don't How know. did they get Eli Roth? Like that? What a pairing! Like the genre is that maybe they had to do reshoots. People think they did reshoots with a different director, like maybe other than Eli, or was Eli the ringer? Yeah. Other than Eli, like maybe they brought, like he had some issues. I don't know. Interesting. But he doesn't make these types of movies, so I can no. see that being the case. He um, makes talking and slasher. He makes gore movies, which is weird. That, that are this seems to be PG thirteen. Uh, I feel like Borderlands should have been rated R, but I don't know. I'm a big fan of the games, or I was. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of the, the the trailer? I look. I thought it looked like Suicide Squad. I just, it just gave Suicide Squad energy. We're a ragtag band of outcasts who have to get together and do this thing. Um, it also just felt a lot like the game. I mean, the, the humor. If if you really like Borderlands a lot, I feel like you'll probably think this is neat at least because I think the humor seems on point. 
Um, I like. I think I like Jack Black as Claptrap. I think. Yeah, the cast is crazy. Like, how do they? I still think they like have dirt on Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Like, yeah. What did they? What did like? What? I don't know. I'm very confused, and it looks like the game, but also not. The vibe looks a lot like the game, and it looks like a Guardians of the Galaxy ripoff to me, or a Suicide Squad, like you said, same director. You know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, Michael. Like, are you liked the Borderlands humor in high school? Um. I don't know if it I, translates to like today me though. I, well, yeah, because like when did when did they come out? Like, because the last like main franchise we talked about this like last week, right? Um, I don't remember when the last like main line series game came out. Three, right? Was it three? Yeah, three came out like five years ago, like you said. I think. Yeah, and then and the first one was two thousand nine. Yeah, so it's like long running and old. Um, and I to me. Like I thought Borderlands was like kind of stale. Like I know two is revered. I mean, and I thought three was like a step considered to be a step down. I didn't play it, but um, to to my knowledge, three is a step down from two. Yeah. Agreed. Two is the best one. Yeah. I would agree with that. I played Um, one and two, but two is better than one. Maybe the script is really good given the cast that they got. You never know. I, I, you know what else it gave me? What's that? That gave me hope. It kind of gave me D and D, the D and D movie. You know like, what? Maybe. So like maybe it'll be that kind of thing where it like looks hokey, but then it looks it's good. bad, but is good. <laughs> yeah, it could. I don't want to apply that to everything, but it has those same that same energy to Look, me. Look, D and D really turned it around. Okay. Yeah, maybe it'll be a D and D. Um. Okay. We also got an announcement of a live action Naruto movie. Oh yeah. Um, and I guess it's themed with this week's episode. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, states that uh, Destin Daniel Cretton will write and direct. He is the writer of Shang-Chi, and he was previously attached to direct Avengers 5, which they said in the article he has left, and it is no longer titled Kang Dynasty, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so who knows what Avengers 5 will be now. Um, Lionsgate is producing this Naruto movie. Um I like his movies a lot, even beyond Shang-Chi. So I think this is like a good sign that the movie may not suck. Like, I'm not saying there's a chance that it'll be good, but like there's at least now a chance that it isn't awful, in my opinion. Michael, I mean, what do you think? I know you're a big Naruto fan. You're always Naruto running. So I, I'm, I, I, well, I'm always doing my great shadow uh, jutsu or whatever. I'm doing it right now, actually. It's like my, it's a tick. I just do it all the time. Um, but, but I, I mean, there's is there any there's adaptable. no like it's adaptable. I mean this could be fine. Like I I don't I don't have any allegiance, obviously. If you're not a regular listener, I don't care for Naruto. I I don't dislike Naruto, I just don't I don't watch anime. Um but I don't know, why not? I, I'm team why not uh for an adaptation. I feel like, like it's hard to do everyone's gonna want a whole season of content in two hours. It's not gonna make anyone happy. Based on how people are reacting to Avatar, yeah, you're probably right. It seems like the anime community really does not seem to want live action adaptations. That's true. Yeah, but they're um, but they're still watching them, so I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, I think people will be curious and go, but I don't know. I don't even know how you cast this movie to be honest, like ethnicity wise. <laughs> 
Yeah. His name I... is Naruto Uzumaki. It sounds like pretty Japanese, but like stylized, he looks kind of white. I don't know. Like, I don't know. They're not going to do an all Japanese cast. I don't think they would do that. So they're going to whitewash it. I don't, uh... I, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I'm really not sure, man. It's um, not like One Piece where they have like designated nationalities, you know? They just, it's just like fictional ninja village. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. I th- I think I think this is who announced it. What studio? Lionsgate. Hmm. I don't know. Is it going to happen? What if, if Avatar <laughs> turns out to be a giant flop or something? Maybe this that affects Naruto. I don't know. It seems like they're leaving money on the table if they don't make it. But who knows? I agree. I just don't know if I can take seriously like a white dude going by something Uzumaki like that seems <laughs> kind of kind of cringe to me you know but yeah I get that but then will he be blonde I don't know I don't know we'll see One Piece did something special because most people like that Maybe One Piece got replicate. lucky man I don't know what happened there yeah they can replicate whatever One Piece did I'm sure they should get those people to do it whoever did that for real I mean that that is that's the that's the move okay my last my last piece of news a little bit like a comic book release um they gave some more detail at Comics Pro, which is like a big uh, like conference a for event, comic right? book retailers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the our manager went to. Um, and they gave some more details on the DC versus Marvel or the Amalgam omnibuses that are coming out, which is yeah. pretty exciting. It's exciting because they haven't reprinted these in forever. They did a little charity reprint last year. I think it was last year. I don't know, a couple yeah. years ago. Recently. Um, but they made like 12 of those um, and no one right. was able to get them. But now they're doing big omnibuses with both the Marvel and DC crossover comics like JLA Avengers and the Amalgam ones where it's like Super so Soldier cool. where they like mixed them together. They're two Stuff separate that people omnibuses. always ask for. Yeah. Uh-huh. Agreed. And um, they're coming in August. Uh, they showed new cover art. They showed some recolored classic pieces from George Perez uh, for the ma- mass market. And then Jim Lee is doing direct market edition. So the ones that will be exclusive to comic shops will be have these like cool Jim Lee covers. Um, okay. So that's exciting. I think you can go into a bedrock, any of your bedrock locations and prepay for one now, probably. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm sure. Who would I know that? Yeah. Um, You can secure your copy now. You might have to like put some money down since it's $150, $300 if you're trying to get both. Yeah. But I don't know. It's super cool. I think people, people it's are going to really cool. want these. Very um, cool. And they also announced these, see that they're, Switching new comic book day for their comics to Wednesdays. Back to Wednesday. How do you feel about that? Um, that's fine. I mean, I I think they they did an experiment, and I I'm guessing they determined that it didn't work out. Would be the reason. I don't know what the, I don't know what they've said, but I would guess that they they found that there were new issue sales were were going down. I would guess. Um, and so they want to go back onto the primary release day. Um, it's fine with me. It makes sense. It makes it easier. For everybody, especially for customers that don't want to come in on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, to get new books. So I think it's better. I like it. I think it's good that DC books aren't isolated anymore because like those people who come in for DC on Tuesdays don't see like the, that creator own book that's sitting next to Batman, you know, like exactly pick that up. Like, I think it's good for the industry that they all come out the same day. You know, I agree. I, mean? I agree. I mean, movies um, do it. Video games do it. Like generally speaking, there's there's designated release days. I get what they were going for. They were trying to streamline it with their other things like books and you know other things that come out on Tuesdays. It just it didn't work out. We're not yeah we're not the same as Barnes and Noble, but <laughs> no. Um, 
That's all I got. That's all my news. All right. Well, let's hear about that live sale. I bet you didn't know that we host a weekly live streaming comic sale. Dust off your old Facebook account or borrow your grandma's login. Join us every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Central. Bedrock City is the only verified blue check comic store on Facebook, meaning we're better than everyone else. It also means that we're trusted to bring you brand new quality key issues, comic bundles, variants, and more every week at super affordable prices. Even if you've already spent all your money on Fortnite skins like me, you can still join just to hang out and chat comics with Kevin Austin and me. For all the details not covered here, or if your auditory processing disorder didn't allow you to comprehend anything I just said, head over to bedrockcity.com live to read all the details. Hashtag ad. And we are back. And before we get to my news, we're going to talk about our picks of the week. I'm going to go first, and I am picking a Marvel comic this week, a new miniseries coming out with, uh, I would say, the breakout star of the last uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the new one. Um, I'm going, it's a new Spider-Punk arms race, non- number one, um, starring Hobie Brown as the uh, titular character Spider-Punk. Um, so come check it out. This is definitely going to be a hot book. Lots of people have been asking about it. Yeah, the covers look really cool. They, the co- There's so many good ones. It's a problem. I'm also picking Marvel number one. It's called what? Women of Marvel number one. I think it's an annual thing at this point. It's yep. like an anthology book with different artists and writers doing different female Marvel characters. This one's got Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, Quan. Anthology. She. Anthology. Oh my God. <laughs> that should be... um, featuring no. your favorite Shiro. Um, yes. And it has a story by Gail Smout, which is exciting to me. I like Gail Smout a lot. That's my pick. Oh. Okay, getting into my news here. Um, got a lot of just announcements and date changes here. Um, something something we've talked about a lot or a few times here. The Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the video game. Uh, the asynchronous, or not asynchronous, the whatever you call it, isometric. No, that's not the word. Whatever. The, the two versus five multiplayer game. There's a word for that. I don't remember what that means. Um, but anyway, it's got a date now. It's coming out June 4th um, on Xbox uh, Series, PS5, and PC. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's much in the vein of Friday the 13th and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, check out the trailers for it. They're online. It looks super cool. Um, but into a movie announcement here, or not announcement, um, a release date announcement. The, I forgot this was coming out. The Crow reboot, Dylan. Rebooting The Crow with Bill Skarsgård. Uh, I forgot this was even announced, but it's coming out in June this year. Um, from... Uh, so first of all, before I go any further into this, were you are you a crow fan at all, Dylan? I've actually seen it, but no, not really. Yeah, me neither. Um, what about this crow reboot? Do, do you have any excitement for it? Uh, do you know zero. anything about? It? I'm sorry, no, okay. not really. Well, so yeah, it, well, I'll get ready. Um, so director Rupert Sanders, who you would know from Snow White and the Huntsman and Ghost in the Shell. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the one that got in between Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. Oh, really? Nicely. Okay. Yeah. Um, we also have... Uh, so Bill Skarsgård is going to be playing The Crow, Eric Draven. Um, also, we're going to have FKA Twigs, Danny Huston, Laura Byrne, uh, Sammy... Um, I Laura don't know. Byrne. Yeah, Laura Byrne, B-I-R-N. Not Dern. Okay. No, no, not, not Dern. Uh, anyway, Laura so... Byrne. the well, well, this is a comic adaptation, so maybe we'll see it depending on the, what else is going out that month. But uh, The Crow, Dylan's coming back. I feel like that's not going to be received well. No. Everybody There's loves no that first one so much. 
Um, the next one is not so much a movie announcement, just an interesting product announcement, Dylan. I don't want to show it to you. I'm sending you three screenshots. There's this new line of collectible toys. I don't know what you call them. That's going to be a Walmart exclusive. They're kind of weird. Um, they're called, I don't know mm. what they're called. Um, they're from three deep. Um, oh yeah, that's what they're called. Three D E E P. Um, they are simulated VHS covers, but they're like three dimensional. I like the they're, hit one. Yeah, the, the one is obviously the coolest one. Um, they're kind of cool. They're, they're similar to like book nooks, I guess, but like not nearly as cool as those. I I don't know who this is for. Like, I don't know who's buying this. Like, because to me, I would rather just actually have the VHS out there. I guess it's definitely not for me as someone who collects VHS tapes. But like, I don't know. Do you think this is something that people are interested in or is this like a goofy gimmick? I think they might be. I think it's kind of cool. Depends on the price point. But if it's like twenty dollars, fifteen and under, I think it's like seems cool. Yeah, the, the Jurassic Park one's pretty bad. I think like that one's like kind of lame. But that's not the best movie to do this with. I feel like. no. There's no image. <laughs> right. Exactly. Anyway, uh, go check those out online. Let me know what you think. Um, okay, we have some Ty West news. Um, he was doing an interview with the YouTube channel What's Under the Bed. Um, he was talking about, um, expanding the X universe even further beyond Maxine, which is coming up, uh, later this year. And he says, maybe, I don't know. There is this one weird idea that is kind of, if I explained it, it would make sense, but we'll see what happens. Let's get this movie done first and we'll, we'll see if people like it. And then we go from there. So he's saying he's got, he's got another idea to expand the X universe. So I really, what it seems like is he's hit on the, the meal ticket. And we'll ride it until he can no longer ride the X train. But I don't know how I feel about that. Me neither. I th- I think I I think that's uh getting into Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street territories. Like, do we really don't need? I don't even know if we need Maxine. I'm excited for Maxine, but I don't even know if we need it. X yeah, and Pearl are so good. Seems like good. Three's good, three's good. Maybe just let's let's just leave it. Okay. Let's just or is like like you said, like getting into Fast and Furious territory. Like we need to we need to calm right. down. I'd like um, to see something more something original from him. We got a uh a, we got a, a a a set an onset photo, Dylan, of uh Terrifier three. Terrifier three, where uh it's it's we're ready to be blown away, Dylan. There's a there's a news article about this, about this photo. Is he Santa? Oh. Nope. There it is. I just sent it to you. It is Art the Clown. That could be from any movie. I know. Any of the I know. three. <laughs> okay. But it's just to announce that they are officially filming and they are on track for their delivery date of October 25th, 2024. That really tells you a lot about the the effects requirements and post requirements for Terrifier. They are currently filming and it's coming out in October. Good for them. Really slapping it together. <laughs> hey, look, I'm excited for this, though. Honestly, I'm so excited for Terrifier 3. Um, I cannot wait. Um, we have a couple more announcements. Yes, you need to. A couple more announcements. We got um, there is a a movie that's coming out called Don't Look, starring uh, Janelle Monet. It's going to be written. The script is written by Akela Cooper, who did Megan, The Nun Two, and Malignant, our favorite Giallo, fitting with today's theme. Um, I I don't know the the. It's based on a short story written by Colin Bannon, which I don't know. But um, Deadline announced this. It's a horror movie starring Janelle Monet, who you know from uh, many things. Um, 
And let's see, Deadline noted that um, Bannon holds the uh, the blacklist for having landed a record seven scripts on the list. Uh, and he has sold the specs to, you know, whatever. He's saying that he keeps selling his short stories over and over again. So this is supposed to be like in the vein of What Lies Beneath and Rosemary's Baby, telling the story of a recently married woman whose life is upended when her husband's long lost wife shockingly returns as he was believed to be dead, sparking fears that she's hatching a sinister plan to reclaim what was once hers. Um, that sounds all great and well and good, but um, Michaela Cooper and Jenna Monet are like a recipe for uh, something I want to see. So, Agreed. Absolutely. Even just Monet. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'll see anything they're in. So mm-hmm. um, let's go. We'll keep you up to date on that as it comes out. Um, other announcements. Um, Lionsgate is uh, looking to update and release a new American Psycho movie. Um, looks like they mm-hmm. um, the is it in oh I'm sorry the <laughs> the In Snyder newsletter um, <laughs> from Jeff Snyder. Um, he's a a scooper. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a Zack Snyder fan. No, 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 no. The In okay. Snyder reports that uh, Lionsgate is plotting a new American Psycho movie and uh, remaking The Dead Zone. So, but specifically saying plotting a new American Psycho movie and not calling it a remake. So I don't know. Are you a big American Psycho fan? No. Oh, really? It's so good. Um, there is technically an American Psycho too, but that doesn't count because they they shot that movie being something else and then they just changed the name to American Psycho too. Um. So I've seen parts of it, but like American Psycho fans make me not want to actually. I, I absolutely respect that. Um, that's a red flag if that's you know, someone's favorite movie. I know. I agree with you. It is good, though. Um, Dead Zone is also really good. The Christopher Walken movie uh, from the 79, 80, something like that. Um, so either way, we'll keep you up to date on those um, as that comes out. I'd be very excited to see a remake of The Dead Zone. There was just a TV show, I think. Maybe hmm. I might maybe misremembering, but I really like the Dead Zone. It's about a guy who, um, it's a Stephen King novel. It's a guy who, um, like, wakes up from a coma and he has psychic powers. Sounds like I, it. Sounds like a Stephen King book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, the last story here is we got a a teaser trailer from a new movie called Invader. This is um, an indie filmmaker named uh, Mickey Keating, who's in a bunch of movies I've never heard of, except for one, which I do really like, called Off Season, which came out two years ago. Um, Off Season is a super good horror movie. Uh, very independent, but super good. Um, so, yeah, he's partnering with producer slash star Joe Swanberg, who was in VHS, and and Alamo Drafthouse um, is releasing it. It's coming out in March 15th at... Um, Four Alamo Draft House locations, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and Austin. Um, yeah. Um, but the the description here is a young woman arrives in the Chicago suburbs and begins to suspect that something terrible has happened to her missing cousin, but soon realizes that her greatest fears don't even begin to scratch the surface. Um, and the movie is 70 minutes, which to me is awesome. Like this seems like it's going to be a, because this trailer is intense. It's intensely cut anyway, I feel like. The movie, yeah. the, the trailer gives aggression and pulse pounding action. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer? I thought it was good. It was like very teasery. Uh, yeah, don't know what it's about, but I like the editing in the trailer. Right. Um, I, I I do too. I think I think the I think the trailer, I I can sniff it out a lot of times when the trailer is going to be just like when it's just set dressing, you know, and it's just like you're just trailering me here. True. This is going to be bad. 
trailer. I, I think you're trailering me here. This is gonna be bad. But this and and also knowing that it's only 70 minutes, I think this movie is gonna absolutely rule. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on this one. But that's all my news. So let's hear about those tabletop events. It's time to give you the rundown on all of the awesome upcoming tabletop events for the month of July. All exact dates and formats can be found on our Discord server. Kicking it off with Keyforge. We run two events a month at our Clear Lake location from 7pm till around 9. Keyforge is the perfect game for casual and hardcore card game players. We also love our role-playing games. Once a month at our Clear Lake store, we host an in-store one-shot RPG for players of all skill levels. Players don't need to bring anything. All play materials, dice, pencils, and character sheets will be provided. There is no entry fee. However, we do ask that you make a purchase of any size from the gaming department on the day of the event. Seats are very limited, and sign-ups are only open for about three weeks before the event. And of course, I can't forget about Paint Club. Every month, we get together and paint some tabletop RPG miniatures. These events are for painters of all skill levels, including none. These events occur at Arcady and Clear Lake locations. We'll see you at the game tables. And we are back, and we're going to talk about two different reviews. Uh, we've got Avatar The Last Airbender, episode one only, and Dario Argento Panico, the documentary about the filmmaker. Um, but we're going to get to Avatar first. So um, fair warning, if you've never seen Avatar or you want to go in blind uh, about what's going to happen in the live action adaptation, maybe switch off now. Um, Cause we'll be discussing plot, plot elements and there we go. All right. So Dylan, mm -hmm. were you excited for this as the bigger avatar fan here? I should say as the avatar fan here, you were you excited for this? I was more like anxious to see it. I feel like there's a distinction. Anxious. Like anxious. Anxious. Yeah. I see what you did there. Anxious. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> no, I like, I grew up with the cartoon. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I'm like kind of against live action adaptations in general. Yeah. So that made me not want to see it, but also like I am starved for avatar content. So like that kind of balanced it out a bit. So it kind of ended up being neutral. I think a lot of people were super harsh on the trailers. Like avatar fans are crazy. They're like the star Wars of cartoons a little bit. Like, look, I liked the trailer. I thought the trailer looked all right. I remember we talked yeah, about it. We did. Yeah. Okay. But there's like, there's people who like avatar and there's like, purists who are like really right. hardcore about it and i'm not one of those like i'm one of the people where like adaptations the more different it is the more i like it i want it to be its own thing i don't want it to be a one for one i i totally agree off. that's boring because so, like if you could just go watch the cartoon at that point like exactly do i just want to see it but like with a real person i don't care exactly yeah i've, I've seen it already so that's where my excitement level was. Okay, yeah. So I, I I was not really looking forward to it, but I wasn't dreading it or anything. Um, this wasn't like <laughs> Madam Web territory. Um, I was not dreading this, but I didn't get all the 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 hate or the not the hate the uh, the the anxiety um, <laughs> ahead of time from people, like because I don't care about a faithful adaptation or whatever. Because I've also had that exact discussion with people at the store. Um, and say it's who are worried it's not going to be faithful. I'm like, man, I don't care if it's faithful, and I think that's not like what Dylan was saying. I don't think that's the measure of a good adaptation. Is it supposed to just do the exact same thing? Is this is this um 
Psycho, the Psycho remake. Like, if you don't know the, the story about the Psycho remake, I uh, was at Gus Van Sant. I forget who did that movie. Um, anyway, the Psycho remake, um, starring Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche, was uh, a a shot for shot in color remake of the Alfred Hitchcock classic. Like, truly shot for shot. They tried to replicate the entire movie down to framing and line deliveries, which is a really interesting idea. But what's the point? Um, so I don't know if yeah. I want to, I want it to be different. So let's get into the actual show here. So Dylan, would you say it? Um, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you questions first. So okay. what first impressions, like, you, so I'm always like judging a, something like when I first start watching it, like, I'll like, Oh, I'll, I'll like, like five, five, 10 minutes into a movie or something. I'll just start to be like, Oh man. All right. This is not going to be great. Or the other way around, like, oh, this is so cool. What was yeah. your like your snap judgment to this as the big Avatar fan? When you're five ten minutes in, when you're in Aang's uh, home area with the with the Airbenders or whatever, they've all got their little tattoos on and they're doing their stuff and they're getting attacked by the Fire Nation. You know, yeah. What um, what what, what so, were you feeling in that moment? Were you like, this is all oh, this is so cool to see this in person, or so a little bit of a roller coaster, like. I've watched two episodes, so like I have like a different outlook on it now. But like going in, eight, I think. Okay. So ten minutes in, I was like pretty disheartened because that whole that whole sequence with the Fire Nation killing the Air Nomads is not in the cartoon. Like it's not. No, and it just felt like edgy for no reason. So, and that's it felt like they spent so much time on that in the first episode. They really did. The first episode in the cartoon starts with Katara and Sokka finding Aang. And then you kind of learn about how things happened as the story goes. Like the first thing they do is go to the, he wants to return to the Southern Air Temple. And then he finds out that they're all dead. And it's like, a it's thing, a big reveal. You know? Right. Yeah. Kind of like Katara and Sokka figure that they're all dead because they don't, no one sees airbenders anymore. But um, we get to like learn a little bit as it goes. But this, they were like, no, we got to show the, Airbenders melting, and well, I was we're gonna like, get right, right into a fight. Yeah, I get wanting to open with action, but it felt like unnecessary. Well, to I, me. I can tell you, I was in the same boat, um, but not in the unhappiness boat, but not for the same reason. I thought I didn't like the opening sequence. I thought it really picked the show picked up when we got to Katara and Sokka, but um, mm-hmm. I thought visually the first bit was not great. It was not it. It was super dark. Um, I think probably to hide you know, effects or something. That's what you do. You put things mm-hmm. in darkness if you can't pay to make it look good. Um, but then I think that's definitely what happened here. Um, but it they definitely, it also had moments of adaptation. <laughs> what And what I mean by that is like, there's clearly moments that are designed to click something in the, the pre-existing fan. Like when you see um, uh, Zuko, right? When you see Zuko the first time, uh, he turns, but turns way more than he normally would need to. So you make sure you see the thing on his face or whatever. Like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like they had things like that where I'm like, okay, I get. Oh, that's 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 the guy. That's the Fire Nation kid. Okay, you know, um, stuff like that. I thought was there were a couple of very like, huh, huh, you see it? There it is. Type of type of moments like fan service kind mm-hmm. of moments. Yeah, thank you, fan service. Um, but. I thought I, I thought the whole episode itself was kind of up and down. Um, the first episode, anyway. 
Um, I thought it really picked up when Aang meets the the crew, uh, the 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 water people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I. What do you think about the performances, Dylan? I, I have a hard time rating kids' performances sometimes, but like, um, what do you, what do you think? I feel mixed. I thought I'm like a notorious child actor hater, you know. Yeah. So like, I am a little biased, but I thought the Ang kid did a good job. I I he didn't annoy me. Um, which I agree. Is like a, a big win in my opinion. Um, I thought that all really playing... hangs on him. Hangs. Ah, uh, hangs. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> the whole show. Um. I thought the actress, unfortunately, guitar is my favorite character, but the actress playing I felt like very completely agree, <laughs> very wooden, wooden. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. It wasn't very like wooden. anything too Sokka offensive. Was all right. But she's very like not bubbly, but she's very animated and strong-willed right. and kind of like bossy in the in the cartoon. And I was like, oh, she's just like hangs here, like oh, very hello stoic. Right. I didn't like that. Um, I th- I liked the actor that played Sokka though. He was good. Oh. Okay, I have a Sokka question. So as someone who's more familiar, and I haven't seen a lot of, my visual memory is pretty poor for Sokka, but I feel like that guy looks just like Sokka. I feel like the, the face shape is like perfect. Yeah, the face shape is good. Yeah. I mean, and he, the vo- he's got the voice too. So Sure, I don't remember that, but like, I liked him. I thought he was good. Uh, I mean, yeah. as good as I would expect from a product like this. Um, he is an adult, so that helps. Um, oh, but- yeah. He is a whole adult. He is a whole adult, so um, but I thought he was like pretty charismatic. I liked it. Um I need them like another little critique is I like I'm getting to the point in like these shows and like sometimes movies where that volume screen thing that the Mandalorian invented. And like I need them mm-hmm. to take that toy away a little bit sometimes from these shows. Like Absolutely. Well, it it's... is better than a green screen, but I feel like like we could go to a real forest. Like and I can, and you can tell. Like yeah, I can, you can tell. still tell. It I looks mean, better, but you it's can't, not great. You couldn't always tell a Mandalorian when it started out, and then once they peeled the, pulled the curtain back, you're like, oh, now I can see it everywhere. You know that was the whole beauty of the of the Mandalorian thing is like we're like, how does this look like this? And then you find out how that works like that, and you go, oh, okay, now I can see it everywhere. Um, but it it's kind of like just computer effects in general. Like I remember being a kid. And when compu- CG was becoming the thing, you know, CG effects and like, like, mm-hmm. oh, whoa, this is so cool and innovative and blah, 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 blah. And then they just get worse um, because you see it all the time and you get CG fatigue. And it's not that CG is better than physical or anything like that. It's just Hollywood's been relying on it for so long that they forgot how to do cool physical stuff and they just get lazy and do some yeah. pretty subpar effects and i think that's what they're doing here with the volume screen or whatever it's called i just think they get over reliant on it and it mm-hmm. works better in like desolate settings like a desert and mandalorian and it looked best in avatar i think in the snow and this you know yeah i think that's where it worked the best but if it's in like a room it just looks kind of weird to me i don't know i agree um but overall i think if you're an avatar fan it's like worth giving a try because it's like a fun little side adventure, but it doesn't have the same heart. Like I felt nothing watching it. Um, <laughs> wow. Which is what, weird. What is there real people as opposed? Well, it's just weird because they're like real people as opposed to a drawing. Like I feel like it should be easier to elicit emotion out of it, but sure. Um, it's just missing. It doesn't have the same spark, but it's nice. Like it's a nice, like fun little side adventure that 
I think it's like easy to recommend. It's not like anything too offensive or horrible, but it's not that's it's not the magic of the animated. I don't think it's justified ex existence, but I don't think it's like a blight on the Netflix or Avatar legacy like the Shyamalan movie is. You know what I mean? I, I would agree. Um, I think another standout would be um, Iroh. I thought he was cool. I thought, I thought he was immediately enjoyable. I love that actor. Yeah, he was really yeah, he good. Was, he was very good. Now, and was this I, good enough to get you to watch another episode? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I think I'll be I think I'll be done. I asked Lori. I was like, would because I watched it with Lori. I was like, would you would you want to keep watching this? She says, well, I wouldn't choose to, but if it was on, I wouldn't get mad. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a, that's a dub for live action anime. That's a dub. I think. Yeah, some of it's live action anime is like, oh my god, this, how did this get made? So like, if it's not immediately like that, then I guess it's a win. If it's not immediately, no. And <laughs> yeah, and the second episode is better than the first one, so okay, maybe it hmm. increases as it goes. So you're know. gonna finish it, obviously. Maybe, but maybe. normally, you know how you know how I am. I I binge things, and yeah. like if I stopped after two, like something's up. I'm like I know myself. Sometimes I just never go back. Like I never finished Echo. Uh, Oof. I might not go back, but I'll try. Wow. I'm more excited about the Avatar Fortnite collab that's coming out. Like, Ang with oh, a gun. Oh, wow. Really I didn't cool see that. Yeah, they just, it leaked like yesterday. There's going to be a whole like little mini battle pass and everything. Like, so you're going to get the, you're going to get all that, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. And you got the Lady Gaga stuff already? Uh, of course. But, like, well, oh. this is like a really boring tangent. Her little battle pass, you have to do like that Guitar Hero mode. I don't oh, know yeah. how to do. So I'm like really bummed by that. I guess it's I'll just not have that skin. Well, one day maybe we'll get a Dario Argento Fortnite crossover. Dylan. It's just him. It's just, <laughs> it's just no, but yeah, but it's just young it's, and old. Well, like at least his hair got better as he got older. Yeah, the bar the, was in hell, but true. <laughs> like, did no one tell him? Okay, anyway, so I guess it's so bad. Um, we got to okay. We're moving on to the Dario nice Argento document, right? Hey, look, we had to do it. Um, moving on to Dario Argento Panico, uh, the documentary that is technically 2023, uh, because it did, did a festival thing, but it didn't really come out on. It came out on Shutter uh, this year. So, um, I am a very big Dario Argento fan, so I will start the hype train here. Um, I love his films, not all of them, obviously. Um, and also, I would like to quickly point out. Dylan put everything into this week's episode graphic. If you somehow haven't seen it, make sure you go look at it in your in your podcast player. I I love it. It's this is it. <laughs> our best yet. It's our best episode art ever. Okay. Anyway, um. So, but anyway, uh, I'm a big Argento fan. Um, I like all of his Italian language films. Um, and then like they address in the documentary, there is a turning point in his career. Um, after opera. And those are different. So either way, I was I'm I am a fan of all of his work. Uh, he's always been like this super enigmatic type of weird Italian David Lynch type creator. You know, he's real weird, very particular. Um, so I was looking forward to learning a little bit more about it. So I was pretty excited for this. But what about you, Dylan? What was your excitement level to watch this? Um, neutral. I hate to say neutral again, but it was like I'm not a big fan and. Because you've only seen Suspiria, yeah? Yeah, I've only seen Suspiria, I think. Probably. I think. I can't imagine what Didn't else you would have seen. Didn't you do seen. like Dracula 3D? Or <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I think he did do a Dracula movie. I don't remember. I, I may have seen a 2012 Dracula, I think, that he did, but I'm not sure. That um, was bad. Not a good sample. <laughs> yeah. But um, you haven't seen any of the movies that he's known for, I should say. But like, based on the trailer and I don't know, just like a deep dive into a director sounds interesting to me. So that made me, that bounced it out, made me want to watch it. Sure. Um, because you know he's like super revered, at least in the mm-hmm. horror community. And you as a as a fan of um Neo Giallo, you know, you want to see yeah, where like it malignant. Came from. Yeah, like yeah. malignant. Yeah. Why wasn't James Wan in this? Sorry. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, he should have been. If he's he such a big been. fan. <laughs> right. Okay. So anyway, um, this movie is directed by um Simone Sc- uh, Scafidi, um, who interestingly enough, um had also directed a movie called Fulci for Fake, um, which is a biopic about Lucio Fulci, who is another Giallo guy. So clearly this lady is just a big Giallo fan. Um, and that movie, is, movie? Uh, no, not yet. Maybe she got to give him time. He has to make a second Giallo first. Um, but oh, full for fake is very good. Worth, worth checking out. Um, so what we have here is a pretty standard documentary, which I'm kind of disappointed with. I enjoyed this. I had a good time with it, but um, I think it's kind of disappointing. I expected more like um, depth. There wasn't a lot of like we didn't spend any time really with any one big thing. Um, I did learn mm-hmm. stuff from watching this, but um, there's a lot of just moving on by, you know, like oh, and then and then he got divorced, okay, uh, and then we move on. Like what happened? Like that was my cl- big takeaway too. And like they would say something super interesting to me, and then like not even not elaborating, but like someone would tell would tell an interesting story about him, and then I was kind of hoping they would go to him and get his perspective on it. But it was just like, no, we're moving on. Like every single time I was like, Oh, like I wanted to hear, especially if it was something a little more like incendiary, like, yeah. Like he wanted me like, to take my bra off while, you know, the yeah. scene or whatever, you know, he said, like, well, what does he have to say about that? And they're like, no, and no, then, we, we don't hear about that. And like, there would be like kind of maybe questioning about whether or not he was a good father. And then they'd be like, cut to him and be like, so what is it like being such a great father? And always <laughs> right. I was like, all right, like, can we get to the juicy stuff? Like, it was very uh, one-sided, it felt like. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and it was also, so, it yeah, it was interesting. And I think, so we have a lot of um, talking heads in this, um, in the movie. Um, some of the bigger names, or the biggest name would be, I think, Guillermo del Toro um, mm-hmm. is in this, as well as Nicholas Wendig Refn, who did Drive, that guy. Oh, okay. He's the guy wearing a, a scarf indoors, um, tied up to his neck. He had a big scarf and glasses <laughs> on. And he, and re- really, one thing you can, t- the biggest takeaway from this is that everybody, all the directors in this movie, really like Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. And they really put him over. Um, and there's some really interesting things I learned about this. Like his first movie, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, which is my favorite movie of his. He had never made a movie before. He had never been an assistant director before. This is his first time operating a camera. He just learned on the set. He didn't even shoot anything the first day. Like the story about the making of that movie was so interesting to me. And like when they showed, I th- I thought it was really impressive. Like his his visual eye, um, for or his eye for visuals, I should say, is so unique, um, especially for the time, um, especially for. Italy and the Italy film scene at the time. Like he's inventing weird cranes for like this crazy shot that I never put together when I saw phenomena, they show it in the movie and they show this crazy crane that he had to make to do this 
shot that pans around a house. It's like starts inside, goes outside, pans around the house. I'm like, but like when you see it now, you just maybe don't connect with how'd they do this in 72, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought that stuff was really cool. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. Um, Cause I think they really, they did a good job of telling you that he makes really good movies True. or made really good movies up until a point past opera is when they take a dip. Um, that's when he started making movies in English. So there you go. Um, but, and he started getting Hollywood money. Um, yeah, but I think they didn't do a good enough job of selling individual movies. I think there's like, there was a very, you know, congratulatory documentary as it should be. He's made some tremendous film, but I think there's a lot of, um, if the job is to sell individual works, it didn't do that. Yeah. I don't know what the thesis of this is really. I think the thesis is Argento makes good Argento make good movie. Okay. And if that's the case, then it's like successful for sure. I think, I don't think there's anything else. I can't, I can't imagine what else we should take away from it. You know, like it's hard to judge it for what it is, because if that's the case and it's like perfectly good, you know? Right. But like they presented things that were more interesting to me and then, Absolutely. Like it seems, it seems like a gold mine of something more profound and more like right, way like, more interesting. And then they, would, but they didn't like delve like into it. They interviewed all. his ex-wife. Yeah, but there was like zero tea there. I'm like, we got nothing. Yeah. Like you just or divorced? they give you some tea and then move on too quickly. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, like, yeah. I wonder if he was like, I'm not talking about that. Every time they tried to bring it up, maybe or. Um, I mean, I, don't I just know. got the sense that everything was sugar coated, and it to me it played like like a promotional video like behind the scenes on a dvd or something but an hour and a half you know like, i get that isn't this stuff cool and then like that's you guys remember deep it? red you, you remember tenebrae movie was rad oh, right it was good in that sense i and i thought right. it was like shot really well and like everyone that they were interviewing was doing a really good job my favorites were guillermo del toro and of course aja obviously i thought she had like really she was, interesting things to say she's really an interesting character she's made two movies that are really good and two and some movies that are really bad uh, she's made uh she made a really good movie called oh god middle something i don't remember it was it was good and then the heart wants it's some crazy giallo type title the heart wants what it always desires but you know some some title like that um she's made two movies that are pretty good and then two like they're not so good they're all on tubi <laughs> I recognized her from a like this is gonna make me sound like a loser, but uh, I was like, oh, it's the lady from Triple X. Triple X, yeah. I was like, that's where I recognized her from. That's fine. So I didn't know that she was his daughter until this movie, so I learned that. That was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as for the movie itself, I like, like I said, I like wish it delved deeper. I liked, I liked it more. Like I liked the stuff about the actual filmmaking. I thought that was interesting, but I liked it more when it was like more of like a psychological exploration a little bit. Like I wish it had gone full there. Cause it kind of seemed like it was towing the line between the it, two, like it almost tried to and the psychological aspect right. of it. Right. And I wish it would have gone one way or the other fully. Cause then it would have maybe been a little bit more satisfying, but he seemed funny. I thought he's exactly what I thought it would be like a grumpy Italian grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and the last thing I'll say before we rate it is I think like, um, I really liked the quote that he had about, about the title of the film Panico, which is obviously panic in Italian. It comes from a a famous quote when he's talking about um, wanting to induce panic in his films rather than fear. And he compared them to like temperatures of a fever or something like 
some crazy artist, you know, comparison that made sense to him at the time. But it's just really interesting to hear him talk about to hear him talk about that, you know, about I haven't thought about that before in a film of like what's more effective, terror, fear and panic and how they're different. And, you know, that's something again, that's something that like you get from a director who's really honed in on that, you know, Mm -hmm. and my 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 last takeaway I'll give to everybody is if you're going to see any Argento movie, Bird with the Crystal, I'm sorry, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I love that movie. It's his first movie. It's so so good. It has a bonkers twist because it's a it's a giallo, so it's a who done it. You know, it's a who killed the who killed this person. Okay, and it's just nuts. At the end, you're like, oh my god, what? But that's how they that's how these movies are. But anyway, let's rate this movie. It's um kind of hard, I think, to rate this because like it's like Dylan said, it's kind of you know I don't know what the intent was. So, um, but I'm gonna go. Uh, we rate on the letterbox scale. I'm going three point five. That is z- so the letterbox scale is zero zero point five to five. I'm going kind of on the high side of middle of three and a half. I'm gonna match you there. Three and a half okay. for me as well. Yeah, because I enjoyed it and I could watch it again. But I would think I would probably not watch it again for another ten years or so. But I'd re- I'd rewatch plenty of Argento movies though in that time. I would say it's a perfect like laundry movie, but it's all in Italian, so you really I know need your undivided attention. I know except for I, Guillermo del Toro. Right? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, it is almost a perfect laundry movie if you speak Italian, mm-hmm. or, if, or if they release a dub. But anyway, but it's like fun fluff. It is. It's fun. Um, it's on Shutter if you guys want to check it out. Um, but that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you all so much for downloading us. We really appreciate all the support. Bye, everyone. This is Dylan. And I'm Michael. We'll see you next time. Thanks for sticking around for the mid-credits. We can tell you've been trained well. If you want to help us out, please go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It'll really help new people find the show, and it will help us to get Rotten Tomatoes verified so we can start affecting those rankings. Then, check out our socials. We're BRC Uncanny on Twitter. Uncanny Universe on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you online.